BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's here. Peloton's best offer of the season. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton tread. Choose from accessories like a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, yoga blocks, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. Hurry, Peloton's best offer of the season is here, but not for long. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Limited time offer cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Mind was the is the most solid overall film. Like that's the standout for Phase Four, taking away No Way Home because of the nostalgia factor for it, and that that's it. And you have to admit that there there is, it does get a boost from that factor. So it is oh, yeah, a unique, absolutely yeah, it's a very unique movie, and I'm not taking anything away from it. So taking out that unique of a movie, what is the standout of Phase Four project so far? So, so far? I don't know that I think. So I don't know that I think that I could. So I think the nostalgia factors into it this way. It's one of those things where it's almost like reading a book before you see a movie. There are people who will watch a movie and not have read the book and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. That's what I think Spider-Man is. And those people who did grow up with those Spider-Man movies, the previous ones, and enjoy those they're getting that enhanced version yeah. like those people who have read the book. Yeah. So for me, that's the way I view it. Um, so I, I don't know that I could separate the two. I, I do think that you're right. I do think that is probably the best. Um, I don't like, not that I don't like, the rest are fine. I didn't like Shang-Chi mm -hmm. uh, as much. And again, the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. I really did not like that final act. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that they did a great just a fantastic job setting up the relationship between him, his father, and his sister. And you really felt for his father as a villain. Um, and not even necessarily as a villain, just like a, a almost a victim of this tragedy that happened to his wife and seeing how, how it messed him up as a person. And it kind of threw that all away for this magical dragon type demon thing. And I'm like, I, this doesn't work for me. Yes, Did not like I Eternals. Can, I can give that. Eternals was awful. Yeah um did not like eternals dr strange in the multiverse of madness like I... mostly just disappointing to me like not yeah. necessarily bad just disappointing a letdown again with marvel phase yep. four you tell me that uh sam raimi is directing a movie like i was really excited but the mm -hmm. bad thing was it was almost it was too much sam raimi um thor love and thunder it's fine like i enjoyed it but i did not like it as much as the last one yeah, it was just um, again disappointing. Where you're like, man, especially when Gore has that scene in the in the cage, 
with the kids. Yeah. And then you don't get anything else like that. You're just left disappointed again. Wanting. You know? <laughs> um, like, Black Widow is fine. Like, and it's the thing. They're not. So with the exception of Eternals, I don't know that I think that any of them are bad, but they are forgettable. Not movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they just filler is not the word for it, but they are just, um, they're just, yeah. Is that what you said? Just movies. Did you say that? Well, a second well, ago? They, I was going to say, I think there have been bad shows, but I don't think there's been other than Eternals an outright bad movie. Um, yeah. Gotten close. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and I'm curious. So phase four it still closes with Black Panther. I think Black Panther is going to be mm-hmm. the last yes. movie. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, that does for this phase. I don't, I don't think it's going to elevate it. So you'll walk out with <laughs> two solid movies instead of just one. I, I, but I hope it's, I hope it's great. I'll, I'll at this point, I'll take solid, and it, it's unfortunate that that might be the the movie that has to be the one to deliver that second solid when it should be something great. But, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's been the biggest, I hate being disappointed guys. Like that's yeah. the that's biggest what thing we were talking about yesterday before we started the show. And I actually thought of Stan, but didn't say it. I mean, I know uh, this is the pre-show yeah. Kyle's like, oh, I'm tired of star Crap. Wars. I'm tired yeah. of like, uh, Marvel. He's like, why isn't anything good anymore? And I was like, I didn't say it aloud, but I'm like, I think he's making me think of Stan in the episode where he's about everything. It, yeah. yeah, but it really. <laughs> and um, I told him to join Star Trek, and he's like, "Nah, I'm not a, I'm not a Trek. I do want to check out the like. You want to watch a universe that's actually good? Star Trek. <laughs> but like, so, you, have you watched Strange New Worlds at all? Me or Nick? Yeah, no, no, no. I, no, I know Nick has seen it. No, so no, I no, think I that you could jump into Strange New Worlds right now without having to watch anything else. There would be some like, what are they talking about? With one element of it. But I think the rest of it you could just watch without any backstory. I, mean, I didn't and like the original. I'm I barely like. Uh, it's different from the original. I, I was gonna say I, I barely like uh, Next Generation. And as far as movies, other than the Kelvin timeline, first first contacts it. So would I still enjoy Strange? New I World think at that point? I think Strange New Worlds is different enough from everything else that you mentioned. Mm. Um, it is. It is as close to being like the Kelvin timeline, but still feeling like it has a foot in what makes older Trek fans like Trek. Okay. I think that you would really dig this captain. Um, I think you would dig his crew. Check it out. So watch like the first or second episode and let me know what you think. I'm I'm curious. That's on uh, uh, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I can... Yep. I know Christine, Christine and lower decks. Like you already said, you were interested. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Christine um, definitely has a, a bit of uh, of Trekkie in her. She does like uh, <laughs> some of the older older stuff that I I don't care for. Um, so uh, she might be down to check. Some yeah, stuff watch. Out. Yeah, hundred percent. Watch it with her. Um, I I think this is probably one of the best first seasons. Um, Almost any sci-fi show I've watched, it's definitely one of the strongest. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, see, there is good in the world. Yeah, and mo- most of it's anime, Nick. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, like I said, I want things to be good. I'm, I'm. There's just so much. 
just like with Star Wars, when you take so many disappointing hits, you just you're like, well, what you know, where where is the silver lining in that particular uh, that particular thing? We'll see where both of them go. I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on uh, Andor. And uh, I guess with that. Hello and welcome to Breaking Geek Rare, the podcast, the premier flagship and international podcast of LM Online and the Genreverse Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, and with me this week is Nick Dahl. What's going on, Nick? Hey, uh, yo, another classic plus Max Prime episode this week. That's right. Classic Max Prime. <laughs> you know why? Because we got we got Kyle Malone on the ones and twos producing. What's going on, Kyle? Hanging out, doing the thing, <laughs> doing the thing. That's pushing good. buttons. I feel like George uh, George Jetson. <laughs> While you're making sprockets out of our podcast, we're going to sit here. We're going to have a conversation about Andor. But before that, we've got a bunch of news and a couple of trailers to talk about. Nick, did you get a chance to check out the? any of the trailers that I sent. Mm-hmm. So here's the bad thing. I, th- I think you came into the conversation late as I was like chopping stuff from the show. Uh, me and Kyle having a conversation about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about too. We're going to talk about the scary stuff. Why? Because Halloween is coming up. Um, but you're chopping the anime one, one that just looked yeah, like anime to me and made chopped. no other sense. Chopped. Just chopped. I watched the ones um, you sent me and the M. Night Shyamalan on Eon one shamalama ding dong that's awesome yeah. we can start with that one okay. let's have a conversation about um cabin one knock at the cabin right so knock yeah. at the cabin uh is the latest film from m9 Shyamalan. uh it is an interesting one because it stars a whole host of folks so it's got jonathan groff it's got david batista um and there's one more person uh, whose name just escaped my head. Her last name is Bird, but she was in uh, the last, either last or previous to last season of Luther. Um, and it looks fairly interesting. I think the setup is pretty good. And what's sad to me about it is I saw it pop up on my YouTube feed and I almost clicked it and I saw who the director was and I was like, nah. And then a friend of mine sent it to me. And she was like, oh, you need to watch this. And I was like, all right. That's what made me watch it. Someone saying it to me, which is kind of sad to me that M. Night Shyamalan has gotten to the point where I can wait. I don't need to see this now. I'll see it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a trailer where uh, I assume they're together. So Jonathan Groff and yeah, what I her, assume. Her dad, so she calls them. Yeah. Yeah. It's her dad. Um, so couple goes out to the woods with their daughter and they're out there they're having a good time they're swimming in the lake and there comes a knock at the cabin door um dave batista is with a whole bunch of folks rupert grant is another one of the folks oh so yeah yeah and of the weasleys uh he's in it. and that, that's still the thing that makes it hard to remember because i think of those people, Dave Batista is the only one that speaks. So it's so my brain mm. was having a hard time latching onto any of them. And they beat down the door, they break in the windows, and I like the setup. It's like, oh, what is this about? Because they say, hey, you two are going to have to make a terrible choice, and if you don't make a choice, then the world is going to end. Um, and you're left there, right? So you find out that these folks are acolytes of whatever this. Uh, command is their belief 
And this couple is going to have to figure out what to do. And the fact that M. Night Shyamalan is directing this, you know, there's a twist, right? <laughs> so I thought a, it was an interesting setup. And so, Nick, what do you think? I had a very similar reaction with the trailer. Like, not I wasn't going to watch it, but then I was pooping. So I'm like, oh, well, this popped up. And then I was I wasn't planning on watching the whole trailer until I heard Dave Batista's voice. I'm like, not Shamlon got a real in. celebrity. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Dave Batista's in this. I will finish the trailer. And yeah, yeah I don't know if if it's because his style has been imitated or vice versa. It just it feels like a Jordan Peele trailer, except for there are white mm. people in it. Like it just the way they I don't, I don't know if that's what Eminem Shamalon's always been doing and like. Jordan Peele trailers actually feel like M. Night Shyamalan trailers, but it felt like I was going to see from visionary filmmaker Jordan Peele, like not from M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> the guy who directed a movie out beaches that make you old. But it looks interesting. I'm sure there'll be another trailer that will spoil it, so I won't have to see it. Yeah, that's but. and that's the trailer that I'm going to have to skip. And I'm trying to think of the name of the show right now. There is a uh, Apple TV Plus show with Rupert Grint that also uh, Servant. It's called Servant. Um, I think mm. M. Night Shyamalan is a producer on that. So that is another thing that makes me kind of interested in this because I like Rupert Grint's character on Servant. I stopped watching because overall I didn't care for the show, which doesn't bode well for the film. But um, just in terms of how they work together, I liked that. So that gives me hope for the film. So, you know, give and take. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'll probably end up watching it. Um, does this film come out? Oh, no. Just lost my train of thought in terms of uh, when this film comes out. So pretty sure it comes out this, no, next year. So February 3rd. February 3rd is when this is coming out. But not so, your spooky trailer for a horror movie that doesn't release until. <laughs> that's right. February. February you nice. know, right before Valentine's Day. So yeah. I guess maybe you could go see a horror movie for Valentine's Day. And... As is tradition. <laughs> As is tradition, right? So you can cuddle together and be scared. Valentine's Day. That's what people do, right? Right. That's right. All right. So, ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. Nick Dahl, do you have any affinity for Clive Barker? I have heard the name. I didn't realize he was behind that franchise. All right. So we've got a we've got a Kyle Malone is very upset. I'm just I don't it, like that's horror. like the franchise he's known known for, but it's okay, mm. Nick. I know you're not you're I've not seen a big the horror, name. horror guy. I've never seen the movies. I saw the Rick and Morty parody finally of Hellraiser. Oh, I finally yeah. watched season five. That's the most I know about it. That's good. I should watch that episode again. I like that episode. I finally caught up on Rick and Morty after Jonesy gave me a dirty look last time I said I hadn't finished season five a few weeks ago. What'd you think? Loved it. Yeah, it was the one we felt like we got the most answers, right? It had the most stakes. And so they were talking about Rick and Morty now. And so I kind of like that. It felt like a canonical payoff for people that have been in for all these years. So, yeah. Um, but let's talk about the, the topic we're actually talking about. So with Hellraiser, we got a film trailer for a movie that is actually coming out this year in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this film is going to be dropping on October 7th and it is a Netflix, right? Or Hulu. Hulu. 
That's Ooh. why the streaming services Close. drop it pretty quick to yeah, it's like days. something. It yeah, it's it's one of them, right? It's one of the streaming services. <laughs> um, so this is a reboot of the classic 1980s franchise, right? So, um, this is one of those movies where man, I remember being a kid and like being at my babysitter's house, and this was a movie that her granddaughter would watch and so she was a little bit older than me and like you kind of sit there with your eyes covering up uh being covered like watching it like pinhead is as a kid pretty frightening to me more frightening than like freddy krueger or anything like that and i i think as a kid growing up the religious aspect of it not because i was uber religious but just like um there was religion was more real to me, like heaven and hell were more real to me than like something coming after you in your dreams. So this was frightening. And my fifth grade teacher had one of those puzzle boxes on his desk, which in retrospect (laughs) seems really weird, right? Like you've got a bunch of 10 year olds in your classroom and you've got like this box from hell, this puzzle box from hell. Anyway, We've got a reboot of that series. Uh, there's a little bit of a twist, which is funny because it's not in like Shyamalan movie. Pinhead is now a woman. And I. it's interesting. I know Kyle has had a discussion about this, this change and this reboot in the casting. Um, Nick, as someone who's not necessarily familiar with the franchise, what would you think of the trailer? I won't be saying it. <laughs> It Why? just reminded me of that Rick and Morty episode. Now's my entire knowledge about it. It's like pleasure is or pain is pleasure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was just quoting Rick and Morty in my head the entire time. That was also okay. a, a bathroom trailer. I can say this, uh, Jonesy uh, Brian over on uh, AVR podcast is a huge fan of yeah. Hellraiser, and he is stoked about this. Um, Why? He says everything about it looks good. He uh, does not care for, uh, does not not care for, does not care about the switch. Um, I don't have the affinity that he does. I liked uh, the first couple of Hellraisers, and that that was all I ever saw. Uh, so I don't really have a uh, much care on that particular character either. I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, with relatively fresh eyes. But a guy that has his own. Uh, copy of the of the puzzle in his in his room and and read the uh, novels and is vested in it he's very excited uh he says the the tone the uh writing the the look everything seems right he said so yeah yeah i have to agree uh as somebody that that watched these growing up and what's crazy to me was as i looked at the trailer i started doing some research I kind of forgot how many movies they made in this series. So there were four theatrical movies and there are six straight to DVD home release. There are 10 movies in this franchise. Wow. Um, We're going on number 11 uh, and that's not even including the comic books, but this one's going to be starring uh, Odessa Azion as Pinhead. And what I loved was her voice, right? I I really remember Pinhead's voice from the films. It was kind of like that other world, um, voice like reverb type voice and her voice is just as otherworldly and i love it so um i just in appearance and voice and tone she seems to um have a lock on this version of the character so i'm excited for that 
Um, one of the things that kind of surprises me about this is who's writing it. So we've got David Goyer actually is mm. one of the screenwriters on this. So I think from that perspective, you know, we could be in for something pretty special, you know, when he puts his mind to it, he does turn out some pretty good stuff. Uh, he also turns out some pretty bad stuff sometimes, but on the whole, I think he does all right. So this one's going to be directed by David Bruckner and, um, but we'll see. I did we'll see. see the the one comment. The first comment was like, why is this not a theatrical release? And it just reminded me of prey. I was just about to say, why does it have to be? Many, many said the same. Well, I don't know. Theaters need something in, in there. They're, they're at, at risk of not just making the lowest, uh, raw number of money since 2002, maybe 2009. I, I might, it might be 2009. Um, but since the, the two thousands, the first decade of, of this century, uh, um, this millennium or whatever, uh, theaters need it, Nick. They they need it desperately, and this is one of those getting towards Halloween that wouldn't make what it would have 2019 and before, but it it would help theaters. So I I wish it would get a, a theatrical release as well. When you said uh, uh uh David S Goyer, I I cringed, and then I was like, wait, no, I'm not supposed to cringe at that one. And I was thinking of uh Alex Kurtzman and Roberto or or. Orkai, Orki, Orki, I don't remember. Orsai, Orsai. I was thinking of them because they're the ones that have had some uh, uh, writing issues recently. But anyways, go carry on. Yeah, I, you know, everybody has a bad day, or a couple of days, or a couple of films. Everybody gets one. Tell them, Peter. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to this as somebody who's a fan of the franchise because I agree. I think tonally this definitely has it, and I'm I'm just hoping we can get another prey. Yeah, I'll be shocked. I but probably yeah. won't watch it because it looks too scary, not because I'm not interested. But on, it's not my type. I'll tell of you what, I tell you what, we're probably go for the podcast for the show. Yeah, then, yeah, we'll I'll watch it. <laughs> You're right. There's no reason not to, especially since I can't use my I don't have money excuse. For yeah. anything that's really streaming, so it's actually the perfect one to do for the show. I agree. Well, fuck I me, agree. right? No I'm kidding. <laughs> Pain is pleasure. Ready to move on? <laughs> yeah. All right. So Variety has confirmed that 17 years after Constantine, aka Hellblazer. I whenever I, I see like, Hellblazer I was... or Hellraiser, I'm like Hellblazer. <laughs> that's right. That's why we're doing one after the other. Uh, just nice. to make it confusing, because I think I'm fairly certain that's the reason why they changed the name. Um, oh, okay. Instead of calling um, Constantine Hellblazer, so they didn't get it confused with a franchise that was very much alive at the time, Hellraiser, uh, they changed the title of the film to Constantine. So here we are 17 years later. Warner Brothers is going to be making a sequel to that first film, uh, which is a little bit surprising. Um, they're actually going to bring back... Uh, director of uh, director Francis Lawrence, and they're also going to have Akiva Goldsmith write the film. Um, mm. What that also means is that there was a um, a Constantine show that was moving forward on HBO Max with from Bad Robot from Bad Robot and JJ Abrams Company, um, and it's it's not going forward now. Um, the question I had for you, Nick, so I love this film when it was coming out. I was one of those people that watched it. I loved it. 
Um, I was super excited about it. I, I talk about it every chance I get. It didn't do particularly well in terms of box office. I think it made $75 million. Um, and in terms of reviews, it did okay. So the critics, they gave it a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes and users only gave it a 72%. And what I wanted to know from you is what do you think is spurring Warner Brothers to go back to the well on this film, especially given the fact that they have recently, there've been significant shakeups, right? Let's call it that. And a lot of it has been about what makes money and what doesn't make money. So what's happening? The Keanu sounds kind of uses hot, hot, hot. I think anyone will Is make he? any old franchise. We saw like, the same Matrix. We just saw we? a shitty Matrix. Yeah, but he's still bringing the audiences. <laughs> okay. And okay. So you, I don't you know, think it's all about Keanu Reeves? It, I think the movie does have a cult following <clears throat> at this point. And I wish I hadn't, but one of my jobs when I was at Akiva Goldsman's uh, Weed Road as an intern, it was like, shred all this pile of stuff. And one of the things I shredded was a, uh, more than just an outline, a treatment for Constantine too, which I'm sure they're starting mm. from scratch since then. But it was actually from Akiva Goldsman's like, office. What, what but, else did you take? What Did you take anything? I didn't take that one. That's why I'm like, I wish I had. No, no, anything. Did you take anything? I just threw away when I was cleaning my car a few things. I Not attribution. I threw, I threw away uh, Darren Aronofsky's Batman Year One, which was about Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne was a street kid, and Al yeah. instead of Alfred was a mechanic. Right. And I threw away Batman and Superman, where Joker kills uh, Lois Lane on Batman's wedding. No, on Superman's right. wedding. So they go on a little rampage. And what happens some if other you version. don't throw those away? Anything? I just walked off the lot with. Pages of script sometimes. So, what did, so is there anything that you have like that you're like, I've got this. I'm not shredding it. Those were ones, but again, they were in my car for so long, and I wiped out my car and cleaned it last week, so I threw them away. It was interesting. I got a bunch of books from now that we've seen as comic book movies they were just getting rid of all their comic books they weren't like they weren't like shredded they're like we don't need these anymore and i'm like okay and a lot of them have become movies by now like yeah. what is it was it called two guns with mark Wahlberg and denzel yeah. washington or something yep. i have that comic because they're like we're done with it you know and i was like okay and there are a few like losers and a few others like that um that have become moderate to flop type movies yeah but <laughs> I love losers mostly because I think I read every I read like 20 different drafts but each time they stripped away something like a special yeah. effect but okay. it's still a good movie and Jason Bateman was supposed to play the villain and you can tell from the writing of oh. that script but because they just used him from Hancock so they kind of had a relationship but I'm um, going back to Constantine I really dig the movie but I think it's some of the worst comic book castings of all time. You're casting a sarcastic Brit with a uh, bit arguably not a good actor. His best acting is ha- being emotionless. Uh, Brown haired American act. I don't know. It's just <laughs> the casting bothers me. I would rather had a new project with uh, Matt Ryan who wasn't going to be involved in bad robots version either. They were going for a diverse younger actor, but I am glad it's happening. It's a really cool movie to watch. It just isn't any Constantine that I know. Keanu's Canadian. Comic by the way, Nick. 
he plays American get, yeah, Constantine. He doesn't even play Canadian Constantine. He plays American Constantine. Well, I think well, that actually, just would have blew up the internet, right? You can only go so far. He's got a dark coat. He's got dark hair. He doesn't have a British accent. And he's Canadian. I think the internet just would have lost their mind even more. So <laughs> it was, that would have been one step too far. Can I ask this of, of Nick? It's something uh, Manny, Manny brought up when we covered this uh, on Daily Cog. Um, the Matt Ryan aspect. Does does that Because most people really enjoyed this movie, even if, even if it's not a good hellblazer movie um mm. does having a more accurate uh uh constantine hurt this at all what do you guys not think? box office wise but as a comic fan i'm definitely way less excited for this constantine sequel than i would have been if i haven't discovered one yeah, of the best I, comic book castings of all time <laughs> i mean i think it's people have kind of voted with their dollars right and their viewing time people don't give a shit about a comic accurate constantine you got Matt Ryan. You you gave him a TV show. You put him on Legends of Tomorrow. So not only have Constantine the TV show was it wasn't Hellblazer, right? It was, it was still just Constantine. called Constantine. Yeah. So that was canceled. Legends of Tomorrow just got canceled without getting an ending to the series. And what's funny about that was he was more of a character in that than he was on yeah. his own show. And um, the, the animated series, though, they kept him around even to a point of him cameoing on like, I mean, it was so weird that they finished off the old animated series with a Constantine centric movie. Yeah. I, and I like that. Um, but what that tells me is that people just generally don't care about that comic book accuracy. Um, I'm I go back and forth on where I fit in there, but I think for this my guiding star generally is am I entertained? And then everything else flows beyond that, behind that. Um, and so I yeah. found myself to be entertained by and the, the film. first movie is very entertaining. So I'll definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah. Need to watch that again. So good. Yeah, actually, I really want to watch yeah. it again too. Now that we're talking about it. So now that we're talking about it, who do you think is coming back? Anybody we get, we get some shy, we getting some Jimon, we getting some. They Bliss. better not. Just leave Chaz out of it since Shia plays Chaz. Like that's that's even more inaccurate than the Constantine casting. And this was the era of like Shia LaBeouf's your sidekick, whether it's iRobot or Constantine. He's that younger guy who's just just there. He doesn't do anything, but he's just there. And I don't, don't think say plucky would... Nick. We don't know what it means. <laughs> he's a plucky little. <laughs> But I don't think you see Shia again. I don't yeah, think Shia would even come back. Like he's all about his artsy fartsy stuff. And he's all about about. Uh, he, I saw an interview with him relatively recently. Not good. Um, he sounds like he's in a bad place right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would like to see Jaimin Hansu come back as Papa Midnight, and I'm cu- I would be curious. Oh, yeah. To yeah, see where uh, Rachel Weiss was as a character, um, just given where she ended, but we'll see. We will see. You I ready? definitely need to rewatch that really soon. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Probably I feel like that needs to Max, become like honestly, a Halloween rewatch. That will be one for me this year. Yeah, agreed. All right, Fan Four Stick. No, Fantastic Four. 
Yes, let's do that one. Uh, so we've got two gents by the name of Kaplan and Springer. They are going to be writing the Fantastic Four. It's kind of interesting. Uh, we just had D23 and the the news is trickling out about this film. And I think it's the one that people are the most interested in, the most excited about that they know is coming. Uh, so just after we heard that Matt Shackman is going to be directing the new Fantastic Four film, we finally find out who the writers are going to be, uh, Kaplan and Springer. And they they don't have a significant profile in Hollywood, uh, which is interesting. So They're relative new newcomers. They've only yeah. sold a few specs, uh, according to the uh, um, deadline report, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yeah real relative new newcomers. Yeah. Um, the only things that they've penned are things I've, I haven't even heard of. So the last of the great romantics and there's another one um, lost in America. And that one's going to be, I think about, um, so there are two, I'm sorry, there are two. So there's a K-pop comedy drama lost <laughs> in America. And the other one is a disaster wedding. So I, I couldn't even tell you what to expect from this. Um, but I'm curious, Nick, does, does any of this, how does it make you feel getting a, a set of unknown writers to it tackle feel, this project? It feels like more classic Marvel, like, you know, in the early phases, you got your Kenneth bronze and, and stuff like that, but it was more about like, yes, everyone knows Joss Whedon, but like, he's done one movie ever and let's give him the most biggest franchise of all time or like. Yeah, let's get these guys who've only written and directed for like community and give them the most important movies in the franchise. So I kind of like, or Taika Waititi, he's only done some independent stuff, you know, and James Gunn, he's only done some independent stuff. So I feel like they're they're going back to that. They've been using the TV series this way too, like a like a farm for unknown writers, directors. Mm. I think mm-hmm. like you know, like Shane Black. It's kind of the best example of finding real talent from a a bunch of unproduced scripts and being like, hey, we can see what he does with these spec scripts. This is the tone we want for Fantastic Four. These or he's really good at character or something. Still like that the director's major credit besides uh Spider-Man is it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and everyone still fan casts the four sunny members as a uh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. <laughs> yeah. That is fun. Um, I'm. It's interesting hearing news trickle out about this film. Um, I, I still think people are going to be upset if they don't get their Krasinski, but we'll see. We'll see. I know you guys don't want it, but it'll be interesting. And they get, they threw fans a bone in an alternate universe where he turns into silly putty. There was Krasinski. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not uh, like you kind of like you said, not a lot to say about these two guys, but yeah, no, I like the idea of the Marvels not just going like a big name, like the most ridiculous rumor I've ever seen about the Marvel universe is that Steven Spielberg's doing Fantastic Four. It's like, no, he's not. I don't care if your source yeah. is Steven Spielberg. No, he's not. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be weird. I want to hear. About there's that. no way he would touch a Marvel movie just because um, he's on to his depressing phase. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you about this project is, so I've read it before that Kevin Feige is, he's kind of, for some characters like this, they're getting rid of the origin story type thing. Where do you think they're going to insert the Fantastic Four? Like, where will they be in their lives? 
Will they be married? Will they have kids? Like, what what do you think this is going to be? I almost think catch up would Fantastic Four. take that route just because we've seen the other version twice before. And same with like the Spider-Man spider thing. It's like, it doesn't matter how they got their powers. Another dimension space. Like, they're Marvel's first family. Everyone recognizes them even if you haven't seen the other films. Just like, yeah. just they were lost in space and now they're back and now they're part of the MCU. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see where they insert them. Um, will it be Secret Wars? Will it be some other project? But yeah. I think they'll be in 616 before Secret Wars since they're kicking off phase six, five, six. So, six, yeah. I think most of the eye is on Fantastic Four. You mentioned it being one of the most exciting projects a lot of Marvel fans are looking at. It's because it's like, can they do it right? Can Kevin Feige, Feige finally make a good Fantastic Four movie? Like, find out in three years or whatever <laughs> several years from now we'll find out stay tuned stay tuned um so the next story isn't a particularly huge one i think it's an interesting one mostly because everyone on the podcast especially the people that aren't here love ted lasso um oh, yeah and we got to see uh the fact that the ted lasso twitter account sent out a message about the fact that in FIFA 23, Ted Lasso and crew are going to be included in the new game. So we've got folks like Jamie Tart, Danny Rojas, uh, Obasanya, Roy Kent. Um, they're all going to be playable characters and the stadium is going to be in the game as well. I'm not a FIFA player. Um, I'm kind of shocked that Danny isn't, given the fact that he is a gamer. I feel like he's he's a traitor to his nation by being a British person <laughs> that plays video games but doesn't play FIFA. Shit doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but, you know, this is fun. I love that that show yeah. has just become so popular that even FIFA can't ignore it. So, that would be my take, my take my too. Yeah, yeah. All based, a show based off a commercial. Remember when Cave, that to, caveman show caveman, should have been so yep, lucky. Yeah. Bring, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And just as you were saying, Jones, it just speaks to the testament of how popular worldwide Ted Lasso is. And just, yeah. yeah, people love it. So why not make a move like that? And be like, if, if you were kind of interested in a, a soccer video game, well, now you are because Ted Lasso and all your favorite characters <laughs> are here. Yeah, and he's brought yeah. crumpets. I just I can't wait to see what people are going to do. It. I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to to. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not particularly interested. But I am really curious to see. Might be a tipping point for a few, like people who are like, ah, Ted Lasso's even what got me into football. So maybe I'll soccer play a game with it. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys hear something? I don't, I don't know. Why'd you stop talking? Soccer. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think that's coming out this fall, right? Yeah, that's coming out this fall. So. Probably. I assume so. I A few months look. before the season or whatever is usually how I Madden, the only one I know anything about, does. Nah. I'm still mad at Madden. In uh, September 26, 2022, FIFA 23 hits all major platforms. So okay. Yeah. We'll see your so way. That's Wait, no, next no, week. That's no, Tuesday. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Fantastic for, for all the, for, good for Ted. Good for EA. Good for 
people that love Ted Lasso and EA. This is a funny move. It's not like you've seen any other sports game really do that, where it's like, I don't know. I can't think of another example of another, or like, you know, like, let's say there was a karate video game and you're like, we're going to throw the Cobra Kai characters in there just because, even though they're not real athletes. It's yeah. just interesting. It's fun. It's a fun shtick. I'm still waiting for Hasbro to throw um, G.I. Joe folks into either Fortnite or Call of Duty Warzone. I'm kind of shocked that it hasn't happened yet. I think it'd be funnier. Oh, in oh Call my of God. Duty. How much would you love to run through the battlefield as Sergeant Slaughter, dude? <laughs> I would pay so much money. So I, I, I tweeted I would give, this. I would give my left testicle to do that. If I still yeah. had it. <laughs> yeah. If they were like, you know, here's some, here's some Sergeant Hawk. Here's Clint. I'm sorry, Flint. Wow. Wow. been such a long time. Here's Flint. Um, like I would between Metal Gear Solid and GI Joe, I could not honestly put a price on how much I would pay to be able to just play those skins in Warzone. Like I, I really couldn't because that's, that's just going after my childhood. It'd be more special in Warzone. That would be a better comparison than would, that last thing. Because Fortnite's like, we put everybody in this fucking game and it makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> would you buy yeah. a G.I. Joe Call of Duty NFT though, Jonesy? That's the question. No. DLC, no. but and not it's NFT. It's funny, for me. right? <laughs> NFTs just like went from like here, everybody uh, talking about. I haven't heard shit about an NFT I keep asking in about a people month. About the the two things you need for all blockchain and and internet based uh, uh, stuff, which is power and internet, two things yeah. that individuals do not have a lot of in individual control over. Between natural disasters, between mm -hmm. uh, uh, government uh, falling, uprising, whatever you know, government stuff, you you don't. You don't have a lot of control over your your power grid or your your internet. And even if you talk about satellite internet and and things off the grid, again, natural disasters could ruin your ability to use solar yeah. power. Uh, uh, and and yeah, so it it really didn't make that much sense for for people to put that much into something that other people can turn off and eliminate your ability to to access. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, rise and fall of NFTs came real fast. So, yeah, interesting. We'll see. But yeah, no, no Jejo NFTs, but definitely a Jejo <laughs> skin for Call of Duty. Give me that. I want that. You know what I want? Let me let me say another one that I want. I want since Microsoft is buying Activision, I want Mass Effect characters in Call of Duty Warzone. That's my other wish list item. I want that. I want to be a Commander Shepard. Be cool. I I only want cool. one thing. We need uh some some uh, Starship Trooper skins. That would be fun. That would be good that. too. I would dig that. That'd be good. Get you some Johnny Rico. So would this be from the movie? Yeah, I mean that's the the most popular thing out there. The cartoon was you know not that that yeah. great. Uh, I actually had the original uh board game. Really? Yes, I did. My my dad got me a copy of it. As a matter of fact, I think it might still be at his house. Uh, but uh. Uh yeah, it was it was kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. All right. Nick, do you have anybody before we move on? Is there anybody you want in your Call of Duty Warzone wish list that you're not gonna play? No, not that I can think nah, of. Nah. I'm left okay. behind at this point where I can't play anything except for Switch. 
So, no, they put a uh, Fortnite on. I've the never Switch. played Fortnite. <laughs> no, but I mean, any but, new video game. But announcement, you're not. But you're not like, technically left behind. Well, I am with choice. like Call of Duty or something. Fortnite. Fortnite. I just said Call Fortnite. of Duties. I know, but I want real video games. Like I. I can't like I can't look forward to like all these trailers for Sony and Microsoft games because I'm like oh I can't play that so like like the trailers you shared last week that we were going to talk about and we didn't it's like I feel nothing because I don't have access to it and won't for a long time. Thor Ragnarok is gonna. I'm sorry, not Thor Ragnarok. God of but, Thor. Uh, God of God of God of Thor. Oh, God of Ragnarok. <laughs> God of God of Thor. It's gonna be so good. Directed by Taika Waititi. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. That's gonna be fantastic. So we got a story trailer that we didn't talk about last week, but God of War is going to be, oh man, can't wait. Anyway, ready? You ready? Yeah. All right. We've got a mix of Karate Kid slash Cobra Kai news. So apparently Sony has seen the popularity of Cobra Kai and has assumed that based on that, we want them to make another Karate Kid movie. So in June of 2024, uh, we're going to be getting one, whether we want one or not, actually. And so we got word from John Hurwitz, who is the Cobra Kai creator. And he responded by Twitter and said the following. The guys and I would love to make Karate Kid and Cobra Kai movies and hope to someday. But this one isn't from us or focused on the Cobra Kai cast. Don't know much about it, but wish it well, which, you know, given that he's still making this show, I'm not surprised he didn't say fuck them because <laughs> um, what else he's gonna say fuck um, sony fuck sony kyle say it for him um and Kyle's the other thing face. i will throw <laughs> into this is the fact that hillary swank oscar would oscar winner hillary swank i always it's always funny to, to think about it from that perspective was asked about her role from the next credit kid and whether or not she would be appearing on uh cobra kai and so she gave a non-answer uh, she's doing an ABC show right now called Alaska Daily. So she said, mm. you know, I'm I'm supposed to be focused on a, on Alaska Daily. So I'll be talking about that. And so I'll leave that for another day, um, which is interesting, right? She could have just said no. And I feel like that non-answer is an interesting answer. And it makes me feel like they have definitely 100% reached out to her and said like, hey, do you want to do a thing? Um but anyway, Nick, the question I want to ask you about this, if they are going to make a movie, what timeline do you want it to be set in? Is this going to be a reboot of the original? Is this going to be... I already so tried be... that. Well, no, right? So it wasn't Jaden... When I say reboot of the original, I mean, like, are we getting a new Daniel LaRusso? Are we getting a new Mr. Miyagi? Are we getting, like, those specific characters again? Um, are we going to be seeing Jaden Smith come back? I would have assumed it was like the same team. Like the fact that it's not the same team, it's like who fucking knows. Like I would. Yeah. So what do you want? Since I don't want any of it. Too late. Nobody ever seen any of the June of twenty twenty four is coming whether you want it or not. So now that that's a reality, what do you want? Might as well get my dream thing and. uh Let's just get Chris Emsworth in there. And no, Chris, Chris, not Chris Emsworth. I like him too. Let's just get Chris Evans in there in any sort of role. If I'm just going to do a dream thing of a franchise I care nothing about. Wait, Chris Evans. Because I like the actor and I know nothing about Karate Kid. So why not combine those two things and make it sweeter? (laughs) 
two right. great tastes that taste great together. All right. Wait, but you don't know that. You don't know the Karate Kid movie, so you don't know that the other. A lot of people great. think they're sweet. <laughs> Tasting and awesome. Jonesy, do you think the the two are connected, and that the movie might see uh, uh, Julie Pierce, Hillary Swank's character, come back to be the uh, to be the star? I had the trouble remembering kid. which movie she came she came in. I thought it was three, but for some reason I, I looked up three mm-hmm. first, and it, it was oh. four. But uh, yeah, it's four. Yeah. There are four of those before the Jackie Chan one. Yes. Yeah, hers yep. was in so, 94. Oh, hers was like yeah, called so like the next Karate Kid or something. Yes. Yes. Yep. Do you think that that she might be the the star of the movie, and that's why she might potentially get a cameo or something on uh season five because that was rumored before season five came out that right she would make an, uh, an appearance i think they might be connected that'd be cool that'd be one way to do it and it certainly would elevate your film project to have oscar winner hillary swank reprise her role um it'd be interesting if they weren't connected or if they were connected i don't know that we would have gotten this statement from her it's Mm -hmm. the way that it was said right that's the only thing that makes me think not um but you know it could be a misdirect because if they were connected to cobra kai i'd be like oh okay so it's going to be a netflix original movie which it still might be like which it probably would have done it done better Um, yeah if that were the case, right? If this was all, if all of Cobra Kai was eventually just culminating into a new Netflix original movie, I think that would probably get people more excited than mm-hmm. um, this. The Karate Kid cita- uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But anyway, ready to move on? Yeah. All right. Wax so on, on wax off, motherfucker. That's right, goddammit. Blade Runner 2099. Fascinating project. And I, I, I'm i going to cue this up at the top um, as I read some of this stuff. And I want you to be thinking about it, Nick, and let it percolate through your mind. It's a very similar question to um, what I asked about Constantine. Blade Runner 2049 was, I think it... In terms of reception, I think it did better than Constantine, mm-hmm. but in terms of box office dollars, it did not, you know, set the world on fire. It, you know, yeah, for whatever reason, lots of reasons, be it length, be it um, slow burn, whatever, attribute whatever you want to it. We've got a film where Amazon Prime is going back to the well. This is going to be a film that's set 50 years after that movie. It's still going to be connected. So that means that this still exists within the original Blade Runner world. We've got a statement from Vernon Sanders, and this is from Variety. He is the global prime video um, studio's head, global television. He said the original Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott, is considered one of the greatest and most influential science fiction movies of all time. We're excited to introduce Blade Runner 2099 to our global prime video customers. Uh, So this is, uh, there's no date for this just yet. I imagine probably sometime in 2023 or 2024 we'll get this. 
Um, the folks that we know are going to be working this are Silka Luisa. And so she is an individual who has been a showrunner on a show called Shining Girls from Apple TV+. Uh, she also served as a producer on the Halo TV series. And we've also got Michael <laughs> Green, uh, who Ridley was Scott the producer, writer. right? Yeah. Um, so we've also got Michael Green, who is the writer of Blade Runner 2049. Oh, okay. This project as well as so most uh, continuity is that way. Yeah. In addition to, yes, yeah, you've already said Ridley Scott. Um, so I guess my question is twofold. One, that film is from, I think, 2017. Why are they going back and picking up this film that, again, wasn't that popular? And given the folks that we know are going to be working on it does that give you any hope for the quality of this project i feel kind of like predator that's one of those franchises that's never gonna die but they've made the same decision as with prey where they're like the last time we tried why were we tried on the big screen again when the last time we tried i don't think the first blade runner was super successful it's just like a cult phenomenon so it's like why would we take a third crack at this the big screen then again people will recognize the name it is an influential thing. A lot of people fell in love with it later. Why Why not make it an Amazon movie? You're like, why not make Predator? Keep the franchise alive, but you know, put it in a format where people can just watch it from home and be like, hey, I just watched a good Predator movie and I didn't have to go to the movie theater or pay 20 bucks for it. Um, because then they can't make any more movies because they're not making any money off of it. I think- you heard what Matt Damon said. Again, I love that he said it on a YouTube television show. Not just an interview show, but a YouTube television show. But I don't know. I, I'd watch it in the form it's going to exist, um, even without a trailer. But I, that's, I probably would never go to theaters to see another Blade Runner. I guess the question is, do they keep any of the cast? Like I don't even remember. I only remember the I end of the last Ryan one. Gosling what, would come back. Was he this. a re- replicant? I don't even remember. Otherwise, yeah. he'd be dead if he was a human. Yeah, but and... funnily enough, uh, there is a rumor, and I think this came from Giant Freaking Robot, that they were actually talking to Harrison Ford about potentially returning. And I know we better work we've thought quick. Some feelings about there. <laughs> hmm? Better work quick if you're going to Harrison Ford to your movie. He said he's he said he's done falling down for us. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot to explore in that world still. Like, wasn't there a TV series announced at some point for like Netflix, like an animated series? Maybe not, but that just feels like something that could be going on too. Or even like an Animatrix. You could do an Animatrix type project and do Blade Runner and just be mm-hmm. like, here are some stories from that mm-hmm. universe. But yeah. I don't know. If it exists, I'll watch it. I really, really, really like the first one. Second one was enjoyable. I saw it twice, and the second time I knew what happened when, so I had four cigarette breaks. Uh, Black um, Lotus was the animated series. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Black Lotus, yep. So it already was one, or they announced it? Uh, no. It, uh, Funnily enough, isn't Jessica Henwick on, in that as well? Mm, who worked on that one? Henwick, Jessica Henwick. Yes, she did. She played uh, yeah. L in that. Yeah, which is funny, because, mm. again, going back to The Matrix, um, we're going back to the Matrix. Can you believe? God damn you, Jonathan Groff. Who I'm very excited to see in an earlier trip movie we talked about. Today, That's right. But very yes. excited for that. <laughs> Still hate you. Hate you for that line. Anyway, um, it's funny. When I was reading this news, I kept thinking about Cyberpunk because I, mm. having finished that this week, the other Netflix show, 
Um, I kind of wished, no, I'm glad it didn't come out before the game dropped because I certainly would have bought the game based on the strength of that cartoon and been really upset uh, given all the glitches and shit that that game has been going through. Although I think they've ironed out all the technical issues with Cyberpunk um, and supposedly they've released a pretty good update to it called Edge Runners. Um, so it's had the most players yeah. on it ever since it uh, came out because yep. of that, because of the series. You know what's bad though? You know what's bad? I'm the power of Game Pass. I'm still holding out for Game Pass because um, it seems like all of the best stuff still comes to Game Pass. That's multi, if it's multi platform and all that good stuff. So we'll see. Anyway, yeah, you ready? I'll probably watch it. Yeah. You'll watch it. Wait, you'll watch what? Cyber- Have you watched Cyberpunk? No. Are you going to? You don't like cartoons. No, I have nothing against Cyberpunk either. It's just, especially since I'm in the like season two of Next Gen, I won't have anything but Star Trek and weekly shows on my list for a long time. How's that going? I'm really getting into it. Um, I was fearful that I never would get into it, and it's it's a lot more like the original series than I thought, as far as some mm-hmm. of the weird situations and stuff they get into. Um, they got new uniforms, baby. They look pretty good, right? Yeah, and they made a great joke about the uniforms on Lower Deck this week. So, well, uh, this what week on Lower Deck, uh, where they have to man the uh, uh, the booth. I think that's this week. They have to man the booth, for, like recruit for Starfleet. I haven't and seen then it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Don't say okay, it. Okay, but that's not that's a spoiler. But someone makes fun of them. She's like, "You have new uniforms each time," and Bolmer's like, "Yeah, it's because they're ever evolving and they get cooler." It's like, they look, I have a cooler. flap on this one. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be in Star Trek world for a while, but I'll put Cyberpunk on the list. Gonna have to watch that when I uh when we get off of here. I hate there's so much stuff to watch right now. Like I'm still watching C. Um, I just finished Cyberpunk. I'm going to start watching Violet Evergarden this weekend. Um Brave Man. It's good. Yeah. That's not me it's, saying it's it's bad. No, brave because that is a uh, that is a hard watch for anyone that's a, a parent, been a kid, or served in the military. So yeah, <laughs> let me know what you Man, think. Got got the trifecta in there, huh? Okay, got all those. <sighs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard really great things. Um, so from you and some somebody here, somebody here at Camp Humphreys, it was probably one of the first things you know how you start talking to people and they find out what you're into and then they they're like oh yeah you would like this so uh one of the paralegals here was like oh yeah you need to watch this and i just hadn't had time and then you mentioned it like okay now that i have time it's definitely going on my list so we shall see house of the dragon you guys ready to talk house of the dragon yeah yeah as long uh, as we didn't so- skip one of my stories when we're talking about old franchises coming to life is that coming up later or did you skip it from the original roster i probably skipped it what story would you like to talk the weapon oh yeah i totally talking about it again i gave zero i don't know how it's gonna work but it is one of the things that the only reason i think it might help happen is that mel gibson promised uh donner when donner was dying that he would make the movie he would direct it 
So, Aww. and Super I watched sweet. Maverick, not Top Gun, but Maverick again for like the first time in years. And I still love when uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover see each other and they're like looking at each other really weird and it actually plays the Lethal Weapon theme song like chord mm-hmm. for a second. And they're like, nah. But I don't know how the hell you get the plot back chord for it. It's one of those franchises where I don't care. So that's all I have to say about it. I'm glad it might still be alive, but that's been a. And like in the same vein, like Beverly Hills Cop has been on that forever. Like, is it going to happen? Isn't, isn't. And this week, oh, they no, announced that's they're bringing happening. back all yeah. the original cast. Yeah, yep. now it is. But like until they had Joe Scorden Levitt, it's like, oh, okay, now it is. And this week they were like, Judge Reinhold and like Paul Reiser, all your friends are coming back in like a similar way. Yeah, who's Balky? So. Um, you got to look that up. Remember Balky for the from, tangent, uh, but hmm? no, that's fine. In fact, maybe Le- Beverly Hills Cop, if it's successful, could be something that spurs Lethal Weapon 5 to actually get the backing it needs. They're like, oh, they are still into nostalgic buddy cop movies from the 80s. Bronson Pinochet. That's what I was thinking about. Hmm. Anyway. Did you ever watch that show? Perfect Strangers? No. What? Oh, man. I love Perfect Strangers. Anyway. Well, I'll let you. I, I paused you. But yes, continue. And that's fine. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, last month, there was a report about the fact that House of the Dragon hadn't cracked the top 10 streaming um, numbers from Nielsen. And this is, it was relatively recent that HBO Max had joined uh, the Nielsen rankings. And what's funny is, as I looked at this story, the nugget that I found the most interesting was about Day Shift. Apparently, Day Shift had the number one spot uh, for August 15th of 21 <laughs> with 957 million minutes of viewing, which... Day Shift 2! <laughs> Why not? Fucking fucking shocked. Like, I just... That just kind of blew me away. Um, a Franco factor. Yeah, I guess. Franco effect. I, um, I had no idea uh, that that many people watched it. But anyway... Different month, Game of Thrones is in the list. And so uh, House of the Dragon was able to, with two episodes going, 741 million minutes streamed with just two episodes. And I think at this point we are in episode six um, that's about to air this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how it moves up the list going forward. Nick, are you have you watched any of it? No. No. Not a Game of Thrones guy. No. Game of Thrones guy. But you did remind me just by bringing it up that today's Friday. So I get new Lord of the Rings. What you guys think? Game of Thrones. Oh, sorry. I was going to plug. <laughs> Go Do ahead, it. Nick. Plug oh, it. Review of the Rings, our uh, Rings of Power uh, uh, podcast on uh, here on the Genreverse Podcast Network. Hits on Saturdays. So, yeah. On anytime Saturdays. someone brings up Game of Thrones, I'm just like, is the Lord of the Rings day? Oh, that's yet? right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i'm i'm enjoying it and it'll be interesting that the thing that's actually kind of jarring to me about house of the dragon and the time jumps so we've jumped through time one two three at least three times and we're about to head into a fourth so that's kind of interesting to me um and not only this time are we jumping for a fourth time um we're getting two new lead actresses so what i'm hoping is in the back half of the season 
I'm able to just reacclimate to these new folks playing the leads very easily, but everyone's going to have the same problem. So good on us. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Anyway, great talks, Mandor. Good for HBO creating something original. No one's ever seen before to make some money. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what the funny thing is? This, the worst part about that to me is, and this is this is certainly nitpicky. I wish they had a different theme, mostly because uh, I think Ramin Jawadi is song? a, yeah. Now, I've heard this before from other people, but. Continue. And they said that they didn't, they wanted a different one. I've heard a lot of people be like, it's very jarring. Kind of like you said, to like, not, it's a spinoff, but keep the exact same like do, so do, 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 it's do, not do. jarring to me from that perspective it's only annoying from the perspective of i think i like ramen jawadi's music mm-hmm. and so He's like westworld or yep. um game of thrones or even fucking pacific rim right yeah like I think he's just fantastic in terms of his music making and i would have liked to l- see what he could have done with this different thing but i get it from the perspective of this is our star wars theme right so you're gonna get it at the beginning of whatever it is yeah yeah um so it's most comparable to is star wars yeah even though it's not skywalker wars or you know that you're still gonna hear your themes in it yep so yeah and with that segue ready to talk some andor yeah some cassian andor as a uh, Andrew, as, as a Stellan Skarsgård, I love Stellan Skarsgård. Cassian, I love him in this. Yeah, I picture every line through his voice now, and I'm remembering the episode. Cassian, such an interesting voice. Um, so Andor is the latest film. Who? Not film. I think he's pitched as a film, right? This was like a, a well, like two four season. Films. That's what they said. They keep saying like they're chunks. It's going to be, uh, well, season two is the one that they said 100% is uh, three episode chunks with, with a director for, for each each thing and each. And it's, it's a time, different time period is a one, for season is one two. Year be, yep. And then this one here is uh, one full year across 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. 100% sure if the kind of chunky arcs will uh be in this season as well but that's how season two was uh was uh described yeah um and it'll be interesting what well well let's get into it this way so andor right now has a 91 percent from the critics and an 82 percent from the audience so pretty, pretty good pretty scores damn good across the board for star wars and not too far I, not like opposite ends of the spectrum either it's like yeah 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 uh decent size difference between the two scores but it is uh like you said nick it's pretty well rated pretty highly rated uh we got a three episode dump for this one and which made a lot of sense when you watch the episodes that i felt like i needed those three otherwise i would have been out quicker i mean yeah. i still would have watched it week to week but i've been like what where is any yeah. of this going I have definitely gotten on board with this model, right? Two or three episodes, and mm-hmm. then um, we get to see what else. But yeah, um, the description of this is the story of rebel spy Cassian Andor, 
uh, formative <laughs> years of the rebellion and his difficult missions for the cause. Um, the majority of these episodes were uh, written by, well, actually all of these three episodes Tony were Gilroy, written by right? Tony Gilroy. Yep. <clears throat> and they were directed by, who's the director? Uh, I think if it's the same for all three, I think they're kind of doing the same thing with this as next Toby season. Rather than doing like a year jump, they kind of are. It feels like they kind of are doing chunks, but not like a year jump between chunks. But like this yeah. is like movie number one of four or a short film number one of four because they're 30 minute episodes. Thank God. Not that yeah. they couldn't be hour long ones, but when I sat down to watch three episodes in one day, I'm like, I hope it's a 30 minute show <laughs> just because I don't want to watch three hours of Star Wars today. Nope. But nope. Sit down and enjoy because it's not. Um, so yeah, this one, this show is interesting from the perspective of, so in the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, we got chapters. Um, there are no episode titles for episode one. I noticed when I was watching it, just, just one. Um, so it's kind of interesting that we're not going to get any hint of of what's coming next, based on that, uh, we get an opening that doesn't have an opening crawl. We open up on a planet, um, and it is likely the planet that he's from, right, Canari. And it's it morphs into the rebel symbol. Um, what do you think about just moving into what I think is probably a more adult version of Star Wars? I like it. Like in general and three episodes we watched. <clears throat> I especially since... Kyle's always complaining that everything Disney's made is for kids. I think this is one of the first time they're like wars. Like, yes, there will be wars even more than like Rogue One. Thank the maker. still feels like it was an Easter egg, which is one of the things I found funny and is definitely true about it is Tony Gilroy's like, this won't be like the others. There won't be Easter eggs everywhere. And it's like, says the man who did the final like remake and reshots of the most fan service star wars movie of all time and it's not like that it's, it works it i don't know and i like the adultness of it and just even the themes not musical themes but the themes that kind of run through it and the the very beginning of the rebellion were just even not to get into big spoilers but like the clank 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 where it's just like there's just little shit going on where they're tired of the empire and they're working together oh. like, hey the empire's in town clank clank it's clank not clank, the clank. Empire in town though they're like subcontractors or something no yeah, they're, they're subcontractors they're a, yeah they're a corporation yeah yeah so this is a corporation that basically works for the empire which i like right so i like to this was a storm this was some guys world building that we haven't gotten in a very long time from star wars there's kind of this idea that you've always had about the empire that they were boots on the ground every fucking planet trying to control the galaxy and what you see from the series immediately is the fact that in able to in order to control the galaxy, they had to use subcontractors. They had to use like uh, corporations, <laughs> which, well, not even just the Death Star, just like in fucking real life, right? Yeah. This is a very true to life um, thing that they're doing where the hiring military mercenary groups, basically. Well, yeah. not no, 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 not hiring mercenary groups. The military has to hire a corporation. Yeah to do some of this subcontracting and do this work like that's real life and so i thought that that was kind of a fascinating thing pulling that 
um, pulling that out. And it allows um, you have more of a different look. Like instead of a bunch of stormtroopers, you have these guys in these like blue uniforms walking around, which just, yeah, visually it's, and obviously just to say little things about it before I get into spoilers, like you, the sets make a difference compared to the volume for sure. Yeah. Like, yep. like you can have a big chase scene that doesn't feel like you're running around a room, which is one of the things we complained about in Vader, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, especially. It's like weird blocking because they're just in this little room. It's like a circle with a few set yeah. pieces in it. Um. So let's do this. I, I think. I think I said this to you guys before. Just let's just jump into spoilers. Um, okay. And just just do the thing. I think it's harder to talk around it. Uh, I will ask you the question: Would you recommend it to someone else based on what you've seen so far? Yes. Okay. I would as well, based on with some caveats, which we'll I get would into. I'll say you have to be a Star Wars fan. I would still say that. If you're not a Star Wars fan, this isn't going to sell you on Star Wars. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. Um, let's. So one of the things that, that bothered me about this was th- we've gotten to a point where, and it kind of makes me feel like a bit of a prude, where there was a period of time where I could turn on Star Wars, I could turn on Star Trek for my kids and just walk out of the room and not have to worry about what was happening on the screen or what they were hearing. Um, This was a little bit harder for me to digest because there are moments where people are talking about bastards and they're saying shit. And that's undergarments for the first time in Star Wars, which Kyle and I know on. I'm like, oh, someone's wearing undergarments and not just some giant Tatooine like cloak when they enter yeah, the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, not even just undergarments, right? It's like this post-coital type yeah. of thing where like, you know, they fucked. And so she's putting her pants on like that. I can kind of deal with because the kids aren't really under like people are just putting clothes on. Like, yeah, that's yeah. they don't get what that means. Um, but you know, if I'm driving in the car and somebody says a bad word and whatever it is I'm listening to, my son will say language, right? Like he, he's cap. Yeah, he's language, he's cap, right? <laughs> he's he's Age of Ultron. My son is totally Age of Ultron, <laughs> and I, they notice and they they pick up on those things. And so from that perspective, it's 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 frustrating because they've done some of that same thing with Star Trek. And so while I appreciate the maturity that they're going for with this, um, I don't like that. Um, Mm. But anyway. um, Oh, also one of the things I did watch this with my kids, which is part of what made me think about this. Mm -hmm. My daughter asked, so when he shoots that guard in the face in the beginning of the first episode, it was going to happen because at first he felt felt really remorseful that he accidentally killed the other guy. (laughs) So there are a couple of things about that. One, he hesitates unlike the person that we meet at the beginning of rogue one, right? Like at the beginning of rogue one, he took that guy. Uh, He's like the sniper at that point. He's the assassin by the time we meet him in rogue one. Well, no, he shoots that guy up close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like in Rogue yeah, One, like, he's also like he's the assassin part of the like like you know most of the rebels are like hey you know we fight and we have to but he's like he's the hand or like Moth okay. or whatever. I'm sorry when you like, said hey, sniper, we need, I'm we need to kill someone. Distance. Um, but what was funny, my daughter who's six was like, "What's wrong with him? I thought he was a good guy." 
which mm. I thought was kind of fascinating and it's interesting. So George to, Lucas's to, argument to see if she's about picking Han. up on that. Yeah, whatever. Or he's like, I had to make him a good size, so he shot second or simultaneously. It's interesting. Your daughter made the same note as George Lucas looking back at his old film. He's like, well, he also said that he should guy. be like John Wayne, and John Wayne hates Indians and black people and gay people. So, whatever. <laughs> um, John Wayne wouldn't be no Wookie hugger. Yeah, whatever. So, can we, you got me thinking about it now. If somebody has a gun in your face, there's nothing wrong with shooting them, right? On yeah. this planet or any other. Like, just to be clear. And that's why that's always bothered me. Um, but anyway, what did you think about um, this version of Cassian Andor that we got that's slightly different than um, what we got in Rogue One? He didn't seem that much different. Maybe I need to no. rewatch Rogue One. I mean, he's obviously younger, but like the points he makes but there, he's even not, in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the points that he makes, like even in the trailer, where he's like, you can just walk, you know, you can dress like them, walk in, spit on their food, and take whatever you want because they don't expect you. It's kind of what they do in Rogue One at the end. They just go right into the Imperial base dressed in Imperial clothes, like go find Project Starlight or whatever the hell it was. And so that, I mean, just him saying that thing is like, oh, he's saying what like every Star Wars character has always done. It's like, let's get, let's, let's steal some stormtrooper outfits and walk around the Death Star because they don't suspect it. You're the little guy. Um, okay. I found it really interesting though to delve into his past to even a planet that, I mean, since I just so saw it, it's obviously, an, it's obviously like a Native American type thing. But yeah, it just instantly I thought prey like they had. They didn't seem to have any adults around either. We're just a bunch of kids that are warriors and hunters, you know, and put the stuff on their face. And and that that's, you know, like, and how does he get from that to an English speaking stuff? And then I thought basic. it was very poignant. Yeah, basic. I, I thought it was very poignant, his memory of being taken and seeing the stars for the first time, along with him flying away with the guy who calls him Andor. Um, Andor. I don't know Scar's name like at the end and how they connected all that and what really these three episodes really felt like why even split them up you could have just shown this to me as one package which is kind of talking about the the storyline with him as a kid no i mean just like all three of these episodes they didn't have to be three episodes Uh, they could have been like a short film like or a feature film it's 190 instead of like explosive 290s i mean two two hours 30 minutes they've been doing lately almost every franchise don't know um i have a question for you kind of a technical question um so after we talk about you know the little village of children and their little lord of flies situation they've Mm -hmm. got going on we get introduced to b2 emo um he has this look like he is an astromech droid but he also is not and what i thought was kind of funny about him i don't to the best of my knowledge i don't think we've ever heard an astromech droid speak use basic it's always toots and whistles and beeps um what did you think of what was one his design and two just like that kind of mesh between a protocol droid and um and i love that again i love that he was emo um because he definitely is emo i didn't even think of it from the r2d2 perspective only because i'm expecting us to get to take k2so in season two 
because there are lots of droids that speak. It's just usually they are the humanoid ones. You're right, which I've never yeah. thought about. The humanoid ones are the ones that get voices because they look human, I guess. Whereas you could easily program R2-D2 to be like, hey, shut the fuck up, C-3PO. I'm driving here. Originally, George Lucas could have made that decision, but now you wouldn't. But like, yeah, it was a choice at the time. And it's something that stuck with Star Wars. You know, Okay. Um, because, yeah, I I didn't even notice that it was a talking droid that looked like because he wasn't quiet in Astromech either. His whole like little like like a shield thing. And like, I just love the whole like Andor. don't I mean, you could you could play that scene just like a, a Luke Skywalker scene if you want. Where you don't hear him be like, and or don't go, but you hear the response where it's like, well, I got to R2, I got to go back to Bespin, you know. But this was more and more interesting. And I don't know, I re- this really felt original for Star Wars, which I've had this conversation yeah. a lot where Star Wars still isn't original, but it's original within this very strict framework. Yeah. What, like, they did a you, couple of if things. If you like differ that. a little bit, you get fired. Like, like, I love the villain, and I hope we see more of him. The arrogant officer who's, like, told not to go do anything about this missing, you know, but guy. And anyway. he puts all of his effort into it and gets his team killed. So I want to see him get reamed out later, maybe even fired, and be, like, a rogue character who's just set on destroying Andor just because he ruined his career. You know who that is, Jonesy, you- right? That that officer guy? You know who that is, right? That that guy's yeah, the first. That guy's the first officer in the in the army that ever starched their BDUs. That's who that guy is. Uh, something that was technically against six seventy one, modifying the uniform, did it, and everyone oh, else right. rubbed off on it. And we had to starch crap for for freaking ever. And then the ACUs, you still had people that would sit there and starch those, even though that was definitely said not 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 to freaking do so that applied more to you guys the <sighs> point where it's like your uniform yeah. it looks different oh yeah he's when, like, when he was like when tailored he, yeah some, he's like i, I had some typing, typing to and, it dude i lost yeah. i lost my mind i was like you you're the reason why you're the reason why <laughs> yeah he Since was just, so yeah so let's talk about that for a second because i loved um his introduction i loved his boss's introduction so we're talking about uh, the deputy inspector and the inspector uh, for this corporation that we're dealing with. And one of the things I loved about it was their interaction. One of the complaints that Jammer consistently has about Star Wars is that the scenes are very rote and they only accomplish one thing. And I thought here we got to see a lot from both of these men, right? We got to see this experienced older guy who very quickly puts together exactly what happened. And he's talking to this like young kind of wet behind the ears officer about like, you know, no, this is what happened. These guys, you know, they ran across the wrong tall dark stranger, but not too heroic. Um, And then the officer parade, but yeah, (laughs) he just has no experience and he's, he's just upset. He has, You know, he's upset that this older guy just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. And what it just turns out is he doesn't have the experience to understand why the older inspector is the way he is. And I I just loved watching that, um, that interaction, just seeing the two of them. And I can't wait. So, Nick, you just brought it up. I want to see them come face to face again after uh, this guy ends up getting his team killed. And you also have this 
um, just very stereotypical um, uh, police officer who is the NCO who's like, you know, I, I love their relationship as well. Cause again, you got to see so much between this officer and his NCO. You see the suck up who is like, should I go on the mission with you guys? And he's like, Oh, I think it would be great if they had an officer in the field. This is like I don't you're know talking if... about. <laughs> yeah. It would, I don't it would rouse the troops up. if you were to go with us. I mean, not to say suck up, but he's like, I think it would be a lot to the team. If he's you like, yeah, I think they would. Yeah. He would love to, to see an officer in the field. Yeah. He's the hype man. He's that guy. He's the hype man. Yeah, yeah, he's the one that wants to to piggyback off of what he said. You know, he's maybe I, get that guy's job when that guy gets fired for <laughs> running this mission. If he was one no, of the who survived, I no, can't remember. He's, that's he's not that guy. He is a guy who is he's a non commissioned officer. Like his job is to get these troops in line, and then this officer is gonna to help lead. And I loved watching the two of them interact and. I didn't get the impression that he was gunning for his job. He's someone that um, is glad that there is somebody in the officer ranks that has a problem with corruption and, and these guys getting killed and and the bad stuff that's happening. And so that's how I read it. Um, Can I, he's just true believer. Can I throw in an NCO's point of view on that? (laughs) So, um, <clears throat> you're you're absolutely right, Nick. One of the things that uh, the NCO side in, in the U.S. Army does uh, is supporting our our officers. So when you're a platoon sergeant, uh, you you are the you really are in the right seat. But we'll we'll just call you the the right hand man of whoever or woman whoever the uh, the platoon leader, the officer is. That that NCO is a grizzled old old man whose sole purpose of existence is to make the officer shine so he can move on and bring in the next like that is mm. his his pride and joy is watching not just his soldiers one day achieve his his rank and and beyond but helping out these these officers to become better and go on and do uh greater things for the army now his his own like uh individual ideologies and stuff that's a separate conversation but that type of mentality so yeah i don't see him as gunning for for the job i that is his job and he loves doing that his ideology kind of feeds into why he gravitates towards this one particular mm-hmm. guy but uh yeah definitely so i i appreciated that as as well yeah cool yeah i enjoyed that um and so we get to see these dynamics towards the end of the first episode um, we also get to see this canary hunting party, these children go after and see what's going on with this crash ship. And so we've got all these pieces in motion by the time we get to the end of the first episode. Um, and I think at that point, I was really curious about what was going to happen next. Um, so when we get to the second episode, we start to kind of see what's happening with this mining planet, uh, the canary. Uh, I loved that. And I'm sorry. I, one of the things I skipped was I really enjoyed um, knowing almost immediately what Cassian Andor's motivations were. He's, you know, he's Casa. He's going to find his sister. Um, and so that's our kind of entry point into who he is as a person, someone that's going to, to find his family. Um, and we find out why he doesn't know where she is at the end of episode three, but um, going into episode two, getting to see that relationship. And one of the things I thought was interesting about 
a design choice for this film was Nick, you kind of talked about the the translation for the droids. We don't know what these kids are saying to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. Which I thought subtitles at all. Yeah, I thought that that was an interesting choice. And so you have to be keyed in on the screen at all times to see the looks, to to hear the tonality, um, and just to see and understand what those interactions are. And I thought that was an interesting design choice, like I said. Did you think anything about that? Yeah, I like that a lot, too. And it just almost in a better way than the Ewoks showing that even like the least important, like small people can take down at least one Imperial soldier who's like trying to shoot up into the, you know, the 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 forest, not seeing anyone and getting hit with like a Boromir amount of darts, like triple what Boromir got. <laughs> Because I always reference that as far as like someone taking so many arrows to the chest. That's like, why won't you die? Yeah, that guy, he he really, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if this, the darts were not that strong. In my head, I, I think they're poison they darts. Were, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I imagine that they were poison, but usually they, they work a little bit faster. But maybe that was more realistic. I don't know. Movie time, poison darts work faster than that. And that guy mm-hmm. took a hell of a lot of darts. He also so. didn't kill anyone else except for their leader or whatever their leader yeah yeah he didn't hit any of the kids because they were like hiding like you know, just blowing darts at him then then they yeah. all had yellow skin is that because they died of some outbreak on the ship that was just lazy alien creation in my mind really I thought, they they pulled, they pulled star trek. I thought they were all humans uh, they pulled a star trek uh, data just, just painted them <laughs> yeah i honestly I they were dying of some gas or something because yeah they were all yellow but they looked otherwise completely human so so data there, again. there was yellow gas coming thought, out of the wreck too so i thought it was something like that and the reason was and maybe it's a, it's hard to tell because it's a star warsism right you don't see a lot of um gore and in that kind of crash i would have expected that there were people that were dead and i just assumed that because they didn't have any gore they didn't have any blood that it was some sort of poison um, something like of in, that nature inside the ship they had one guy and like everyone's masks were off i mean he could have died from contact of crashing but he yeah. was kind of laying against the wall like yeah with yellow skin but then by the time uh, cassian enters there's no chemical or anything he just walks right, right. in. right yeah yeah it was hard to tell um and so it'll be interesting to see what if anything they say about that going forward i think they're probably done with that storyline i don't think you need to explain anything more about it yeah, it's just I just hope the villain continues through and isn't just like a three episode player. He is on the poster for yeah. the whole. It's funny you ca- you keep calling a villain. I don't know why in my head I don't know that I think of him as a villain. Um, he's just a cop antagonist. antagonist. Yeah, antagonist. Yeah, he's obviously just, working me, he's for the wrong side, but he's more of a contractor, as you guys yeah. said. And he's, I don't know, just the air. They make him to be like, you know, just the arrogance of him. And one of my favorite sure. parts of them scaring, but, the sh- like, because, like, you know, it's the beginning of the rebellion, they're scaring the shit out of them with all the clanking. And the one lady has a line where she's like, well, you should wait to see what happens when the clanking stops. That's even worse. Well, and the think guy's about watching it her from, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I keep thinking about it from his perspective. Assuming his motivations are quote unquote pure, we haven't seen him do anything terrible. Yet, his perspective is two people from his organization have been murdered. I have a fugitive. by this guy, by a fugitive, and so he wants to f- 
find out who that person is, he also suspects that his ranking officer um, wants to just kind of brush it aside and make it go away. And so if he believes in what he does, if he believes in his organization, then I could see why he's upset. Um, and so that's why when you say villain, like my brain, yeah. like, I haven't seen him do anything. He hasn't blown up a planet. He hasn't no. kidnapped anybody. He hasn't it's not like, like Obi-Wan. They're not hanging people in the streets to find Cassian yeah. or anything. They're not hurting any they of the civilians except for yeah. her, then her husband who... It was, it was so well, weird. Her husband's a really weird character that he gave him up, but then suddenly he's charging, knowing he's going to get shot to death. Yeah, that like was not even being tactful with the officers. Where he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, guys!" He's just like, "Stop moving!" He like charges at them without even using us like a rifle or yeah. something. And you're like, "What do you think was going to happen?" I guess he was in the so, moment, emotion. That's my wife. But everything about that, those people going down to the planet. Um, their interactions with the local population, all of that stuff seemed very modern day military mm. to me. Um, very interesting. And that was what I think they were going for. And Kyle, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but you've got like, even before we got there, there were people like, no, do you understand anything about this planet? They do things their own way there. Yeah. And then you get down on this planet, you've got these armored troops and you've got these people like the way that they're communicating where insurgents um, are, are communicating mm. throughout this village. Mm -hmm. And they're they like, underestimate you know, them. Hey, when, the military When they crash the ship, for example, mm -hmm. like the yeah. way they're able to just crash that ship. It's like they weren't expecting anything. They're like, I, oh, I think like, that this these show, the insurgents, the Ukrainians, the whatever. Yeah, I think this show has a, a good chance of a, and a good opportunity to really show what. Uh, and I know it's it's seen as a bad word these days in insurgency. But with, uh, uh, say, um, uh, the French resistance, that mm -hmm. was kind of an, in, an insurgency. There was a Levy different mass. There was a different uh, government in charge. Sure, it's not it's not seen as as legitimate, but you have the occupied France and a and a and you know one group saying this is the way it'll be, and within that that group you've got an insurgency, um, a rebellion, uh, 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 and uh, it's going to be interesting to to also see how they toe the line where insurgents and freedom fighters, rebels cross into terrorism, which is going from attacking government or military targets. To elicit the change, to uh, attacking civilian targets to elicit fear for for the change. That's that's right. the line that that you know the IRA crossed one time. One time the mm -hmm. IRA was an an insurgency, a rebellious group. They crossed the line into terrorism, and that's you know what you're not supposed to do. I I definitely caught that as well, and I love that one of the one of the key things to to this group, this planet's uh unique ways is look at the ritual for work in the mine or you know in the mm -hmm. yards with the gloves mm -hmm. and then the ritual with the the ritual with the uh the <coughs> hammers that nick uh, was just talking about the bell uh yeah you know so i, I which i it. loved i dig it yeah yep. right i love the it bell gives a real because, sense of yeah well so i liked it from the perspective of knowing what we know about this universe we know that that could be automated we know that that could just be a sound but we got to see this guy who took pride in what he was doing um, and I really, really liked that from that perspective. Um, again, knowing that there was a quote unquote easier way for them to do it, but that's, Tradition. that's what they chose. 
Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed the final fight scene in the last episode. We're just shit's going haywire. You know, like the, the, the factory, all like the big chains are just like dropping everywhere. And it's it's kind yeah. of madness. I really that really felt actually pretty unique for Star Wars, which fight scenes are usually more cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Like not as much environmental impact. Even when you're fighting on Mustafar, it's like, whatever, we're fighting around lava. It doesn't matter till the high ground. <laughs> like, but I liked. So before we get to the third episode, one of the things I, I thought was interesting about this. So you talked before about new things to Star Wars. They did a couple of different things. Like there was a, there was an overlay when someone was looking at the computer screen, we got to see what they were seeing because it was overlaid next to their face. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, again, something that jumped out to me as being different for Star Wars. We don't really see things presented in that way. And it kind of sets this apart from anything that, that's come before. Um, I think they're making interesting choices mm-hmm. in this. Um, but yeah, um, I did think that the end of episode two is jarring. And I'm trying to remember why. Um but again, it goes back to the idea that you talked about. I'm glad that they released the at least three episodes of this mm-hmm. um, because I would have I would have felt necessary. some kind of way <laughs> ending the way that they had done. Um, yeah, you want to just jump to the final fight? Yeah, basically. Okay. So what I liked about both the uh, the dynamics of the fight in the warehouse and just how the the. The, the contractors are slowly like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Like I said, like the one lady has the line where she's like, do you think it's crazy now? And everyone's banging on shit. Like you don't want to know what happens when that stops. Yeah. And just even like the smug officer being like, ha ha, I'm hiding in this position. And they just come up behind him with the blaster right to his head. And they even play the good cop, bad cop thing. Scar's guard yeah. and, uh, and or where he's like, if you're not going to shoot him, I'll shoot him. <laughs> like, his true fear yeah. and like his arrogance has gotten into that situation because he's like, oh, I got this Andrew army this or this platoon happening. with me. Oh, that he knew they were going to. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> you know what was my uh, thing I really liked in this, Jonesy uh, and Nick, hmm. um, and see what you guys thought was when uh, Andor and um, I forget his name, Scarsgar's character uh, when he's when he's Lucan. talking about price. What was that? Luthen, Luthen, Luthen. Thank you. Mm. Uh, when he's like, you know, fine, then it'll be another thousand credits. He's like, okay, yeah, tell me like where he's, you got yeah. it from. He's meeting, yeah. he's meeting this guy for the first first time where money is not an issue and that there's something bigger at play, and he's just thrown for for a loop by it, um, almost derailing his whole situation just at the fact of of dealing with something he doesn't know how to how to deal with i i was kind of curious what you guys thought to their initial uh interactions that was very interesting too the line about like you're either one of three things like you're either an imperial spy you're the front man for someone else or you're the real deal um and like and i like the idea that andor is trying to grab the box but for uh i'll never remember the Monetary character's reasons. name but for scars guard He's like, no, just leave it. Like, I can pay you money. Like, I didn't come here for the box. I came here to find somebody like you. Yeah. But he's still obsessed with it. And he's like, no, we got to get out of here. I have your money. <laughs> like, you're going to yeah. get yourself killed before you'll be useful. Um. So to your point, Kyle, almost every, almost every interaction 
when we see and or dealing with the the corporate cops, the security cops in the beginning, they want his money, right? That that fine. Yep. Um, when he's talking to his friend Bix, it's about money. Like he's like, "Hey, I need this money so I can get off the planet." So that is just the only way he knows how to interact mm. with people, be they asshole strangers or even his friends. Yep. And so to your point, when he's like, "Hey." you know, give me more money. He's like, uh, okay, sure. I don't care. And it just, I like that it throws him for a loop. And I like that the show had done a good job up until that point and showing that that's the only way he knows how to interact with people. Um, trading favors, right? Even the guy that's his friend, it wasn't money, but he was like, Hey, where was I last night? And he, Oh yeah. When they're making up the story. Yeah. They're making up a story about where he was. You fell drunk on my couch and you hit your head. Everything for him is transactional. Um, And it makes him an interesting character from that perspective. So he's not um, like like Luke who blew. He's more of a, yeah, he's like solo before like Han solo, not the movie solo before (laughs) he comes back the same with the death star. It's just all about the money. He's like, look, princess paid us. We're getting the hell out of here. I think Andor yeah. is more ruthless. I agree. Just because that one scene where they like, I really thought he felt bad for a second going back to that scene of accidentally killing the guy. He's like, you, you just killed my friend. But then he just point like blasts him. I think he felt like, bad as it's later, messing like, with okay. his plan. Oh, and it's going to get he was him getting a- nervous about his, his plan. I think that's yeah. what he was. Cause if the guy lived and he could just knock him out, he's thinking he can be off off planet before, you know, right. they, they can report stuff. So, Mm. yeah yeah that's yeah, what, I think what becomes just... the reason he needs the money is because of this it's a very interesting flow of the plot where it's like i need the money because now i'm wanted so like i've been saving this box yeah. for a rainy day and now i need to cash in as quickly as possible like also the convert the other transactional conversation with the guy who has the transport and he's like he's like i want today yep. he's like you want today and you want discreetly that's 700 credits right so, yeah it, it is it is an interesting character um, and not necessarily one that we've seen. I, I get the parallel for Solo, Nick, because again, the very first time that we met Solo, um, Obi-Wan does the same thing, right? So Solo's like, hey, it's going to cost X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan's like, all right, fine. And Solo's like, oh my God, these people are desperate. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. he, so it's it's interesting to see that transaction. Yeah. Um, so we've seen this before in the Star Wars universe, um, but definitely Andor seems to, it's like an order of magnitude more. Um, I did think it, again, going back to military stuff, it was weird watching Star Wars and feeling like hearing them say words like Casavac um, and using squad tactics. Like it just, oh, it pin- felt like, like some pincer move. He mentioned it at one point. Yeah. Like we're going to go in a pincer move in case he tries to. It, it, it is a stark contrast to me where I know you'll appreciate this. Kyle is funny where like people are upset about the, the way that the bombs fell in the last Jedi we've gone from, you know, how gravity works and no tactics of bombers. So <laughs> no, all I didn't, the I, way to like, excuse the bombs. Go ahead. Well, and but we've just gone from yeah. how bombers function um and 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 tactics to this where it's like squad tactics, military language, insurgent tactics. It's it it's like a 180 in terms of 
looking at what's happening in our world now and making it less fantasy and making it more realistic. Um, and I, I think that's part of the appeal that some people have. Like it, it is, it's definitely more adult. It's more realistic and you can see more parallels to real life. Whereas everything in other versions of star Wars is very much like, like it's just plot driven kind of hand waved. This is like, you get or all to the ships see. we can at it. And someone shoot that little tiny hole. <laughs> hmm. Like, like throw everything we have at the Death Star and someone shoot that hole. Like that's the oh, equivalent yeah. of their tactics and like old Star Wars. Yeah. Like this just, this seems very much um, like they've, they've looked at what's happening for the been happening for the last 20 years and said, okay, this is what an insurgency actually looks like. So I'm I here. appreciate it. For it. I appreciate yeah. it as, as, uh, as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. It lives up it. to yeah. the buzz I felt that we've been getting lately. Because at first they're like an Andor show, and it's like, really? That that character? And now you're like, all right, this guy's cool. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, he has an interesting character things, to explore. Two things, or a couple of things I liked, um, and I can be done, and you all can say what you want before we. Call. I liked that um, we could see get to see ship breaking, so I felt like a shout out to Fallen Order. Um, and I like the evolution of the Clone Wars dropships. So we got to see a cross between the transport ships from Return of the Jedi and the Clone Wars ships. So it was, I, I like that. I like when things aren't necessarily the same and you're seeing the connective tissue between mm-hmm. um, the prequel stuff and um, the original series, which is fun. I like that. So... Yeah, I think I've said my piece, and I agree with that as well. So yeah, okay. Kyle, got anything else? Nah, I'm I'm good, guys. All right. You can hear more of Kyle's opinion on the Katina. Yeah, there you go. Thanks every for, week. Thanks for like talking about Andor. Yeah. So yeah, we're just going to be talking about Andor this week. Um, but yeah, definitely check out the Cantina. And Kyle, when does that air? Uh, we are releasing same day, so uh, Wednesdays, Wednesdays for uh, for Andor. Or th- yeah, Thursday. What that Thursday? Wednesday. It comes out Wednesday. Wednesdays, because She Hulk is Thursdays. Wednesdays yeah. for for Andor. The show normally when we're just doing news was on Thursdays. So yeah, there's there's confusion. Cantina's on Wednesdays, ladies and gentlemen, for for Andor reviews. For now, yeah. All right. For now, Disney. For now, Disney Plus changes something else. So, you can catch the Cantina as well as all of the other great shows on the Genreverse Podcast Network. Um, to include, what's the Ring Show? What's what's the name of the Ring Show? I just Preview, I had it in my head. I just lost Review it. Review of the Rings. Review of the Ring with Cam and Kyle, uh, <laughs> where they don't fumble as badly with the Tolkien lore as we did here on Breaking Geek Radio the podcast. So check that out if you want to hear some experts talk about that stuff. No, Cam, but one other, expert, one Cam is the expert. I'm the I'm expert. A, I'm a I'm an apprentice, but yeah, yeah. I at least I at least got my apprenticeship in. You you guys are like the 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 uh, uh, manual laborers just hanging around oh, trying <laughs> try to yeah. grasp what I don't, the I don't have my guild crest about. yet. Yeah, we got to get our guild crest so we can do some work. Um, yeah, dear listeners, if you like what you heard, or if you want to hear more, uh, do all the socials: like, rate, comment, subscribe, share. We would definitely appreciate it. 
Um, check out those other LRM slash Genreverse podcast shows. I know they would appreciate it and you will definitely love it. Other than that, Nick Dahl, where can you be found? Um, I also do Marvel Multiverse Mayhem with Kyle, which is currently on Thursdays. Thanks to Disney Plus. Um, doing She-Hulk, for better or for worse. Um, and I'm at Geeky Nick Dahl and on Twitter and Instagram. And right here on Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Right. And you can find me tweeting, TikToking, and doing all kinds of other whatever the socials are at Sir Jonesius. And of course, right here on Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Folks, as always, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Asa lasagna. Don't get any on ya. Mission accomplished. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc